Your hosts, Jeannie Walters and Adam Toporek, are two of the most recognized and respected names in customer experience, and they've dedicated themselves to helping you improve your customer experiences. And now, it's time for Adam and Jeannie. Jeannie, I think at 373 episodes, you could say that I'm loyal. (laughs) Well, I think you could say we're both loyal. Yeah, but we're talking about me. Oh, so, of course we are. Of course we are. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the standard. That's really going to fall. <laughs> we're talking about me all the time, Jeannie. Adam, Adam, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jan. No one under 30 understood that. But it's, okay. <laughs> it's still popular today, I tell you. <laughs> well, we're going to pass our Marsha, Marsha, Marsha moment and tell you all about what a cool guest we had. We had Barry Kirk from, am I going to say this right? You say it. Merits CX. Yes, I wanted to do the, you need a nice Midwestern accent, not Southern accent to get (laughs) get it right. So uh, yeah, so for Merits, and we talked about loyalty, and obviously we've talked a lot about loyalty, but what I really loved about this interview was that Barry broke down the different types of loyalty. And I think this is just one of the most important distinctions that can be made in this discussion. I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's really... You know, we throw around loyalty a lot and we get asked about loyalty a lot. But one of the things that he brings to this conversation, which I really appreciated, was the nuance of it. You know, not all loyalty looks the same and that's okay. And not all customers look the same, right? We talk about that a lot too and how there are different types of loyalty for different customers. So it it really was a great discussion. I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So we hope you guys you know, get your get your notepad ready because there are some good things to take notes on here in this one. All right, let's hear about Barry. Excellent. Well, Barry Kirk is a 15-year marketing consultant specializing in customer loyalty and retention. He is the creator of the Multi-Loyalty Framework for Human Engagement and a frequent speaker on the idea that, drumroll, consumers are human beings first. (laughs) (laughs) Barry currently serves as the VP of Strategy for Merits Loyalty, where he guides brands in their evolution from traditional loyalty programs to more immersive loyalty experiences. And on top of that, Barry is a fellow Zoo Tiger. Go Tigers. Thanks for joining us, Barry. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic having you on the show, Barry. And you know, we're all, we're all in the CX space. And let's just say we may talk about loyalty once in a while in this, <laughs> in this world we <laughs> inhabit. But I want to ask you, because I think you've got a little different take on this. What's wrong with how brands are approaching loyalty today? What are we doing wrong? Well, it, there's actually a lot that companies are doing <laughs> wrong today, which is great for people like me that consult in the space. Um, one thing that might be important to, to just note is that there is a difference, I think, between CX and loyalty, or what we refer to sometimes as LX, loyalty experience. And I tend to think of, of CX as what's happening today, right? What's the interaction I'm having today uh, with your brand, and is it all going well? Are you doing what I expect you to do? But loyalty is that, but it's a little bit more. It's also, what is my future intention? So when, I, when I'm having my experience with your brand today is my intention to have another experience tomorrow or next week. And if I don't, then it's very hard to build loyalty. So that's a big piece of what we think about when we think in terms of loyalty. But the real challenge around that is not just not understanding kind of that difference between the two. But frankly, if you look around today at most loyalty programs and even brands that are launching brand new programs, you know, as we speak, they are stuck 
in a model that is rightfully more aligned to 1980s technology and thinking and, and brand uh, sort of um, uh, concepting. And so if you look at a loyalty program that somebody might launch this week, it probably looks almost identical to one they would have launched in 1985. And that, that's one of the challenges that I think that, that we need to start working on is how to bring loyalty programs into the, the modern marketing age. Well, I've been looking at like what the kids are wearing nowadays and sort of keeping <laughs> hip with the trends. And the 80s seems to be back in style, Barry. So, you know, I think we're just, <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think we're just on trend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know what? I love I love the idea of having an eight track tape player, but you know, I'm probably not going to use it every day. So, um, and you know, the real issue is it's not so much just around the the tech or even the way they work with data. But when loyalty programs were launched in the '80s, they were super transactional. Like everything was mm -hmm. about basically bribing the customer. It's something in our practice we call mercenary loyalty. It's like, oh, wow. hey, I want you to be loyal and I'll pay you to be loyal. <laughs> and it, there's really nothing wrong with that. It works really well. But there's a lot of data now that's suggesting that that is starting to fatigue for consumers, that model. Mm -hmm. And what they're really wanting is something that's more relational, that reaches out to them and recognizes them as a, as a human being. I often say uh, marketers should keep in their forefront of their brains when they're thinking about loyalty that consumers are human beings first. They don't start as consumers, they start as human beings. And if you understand that, then you really need to work on a relationship sort of model for loyalty rather than it all just being super transactional, super just like bribing people to be your customers. Well, and the other part of that that is pretty interesting, you think about when the 80s, so in the 80s, my dad was one of those original kind of road warriors who um, was part of one of the first airline loyalty programs. And he was treated like a king. I mean, seriously, like he got whatever he wanted by flying from Chicago to Cleveland a lot. Like it wasn't a lot of miles. It was just frequency. And because of him, I was treated really well as a college student, you know, like or as a high yeah. school student. And now that I am one of those people who flies frequently, my expectations are so much higher for what a loyalty program should look like and what loyalty back to me should look like as a consumer. And I'm perpetually disappointed. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's the state I live in because it's not, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. There's so much now around. It's not just about frequency anymore. It's about how much you're spending. It's about the actual mileage. It's about if you're willing to pay more as a customer for things that used to come with the ticket. It's all of those things that add up. And after a while, it doesn't feel like loyalty to me. It feels like exactly what you're talking about. They are, they are basically saying, we want, we almost want, they want me to pay for their loyalty. And I'm wondering like, is there a model out there right now that you look at and you say, oh, they're getting this relational side. They're getting this right when it comes to loyalty. Are there any examples out there? Well, a brand that I, I uh, talk about a lot because I tend to talk about brands that I am fiercely loyal to myself would mm -hmm. be Southwest Airlines. Mm -hmm. So Southwest, Southwest Airlines, I, I think, clearly has a, a really strong brand personality, which is different than the other airlines. So they're, they're okay being a little goofier, a little looser, um, and more playful and fun. Um, and they play that out with trying to create an experience around uh, your time on board the flight. Uh, they are famous for, for their flight attendants singing goofy songs mm -hmm. when you know, they're <laughs> supposed to be doing the, the, the safety uh, uh, protocol. For mm -hmm. uh, But the other thing they do, which is really interesting, is they have something called a companion pass, which is if you're uh, really active, a flyer with their program, you're not just earning miles, but you're actually earning this special reward if you stick with it long enough, where you can designate one person 
who anytime you fly, flies free with you. So that's not just like a great mercenary reward. It's a great social reward because it says Southwest understands a lot of times when you fly, it's not for business. It's going to be with some significant person in your life and bring that person along. Make Southwest part of your, your, the personal side of your life and the social side of your life. Mm -hmm. So I do think there are brands who are doing it right like that. Um, what I think though you were getting at with the experience not living up to your expectation is that what many brands do wrong today is they have all this data on us to figure out what is that experience we want. Is it something like a companion pass or is it more points? Um, or is it being able to connect to some uh, tribe of other people who love the brand too? Like, how do you know what I want in order to be loyal? And it's all in the data. Mm -hmm. But so many brands, if you really knew what was going on inside those companies, they are sitting on that data, not sure how to get at it and not sure what to do with it. And that's probably the, the biggest missed opportunity right now is drawing that data out so I can say, I understand you as an individual and a human, and I can deliver what you need. And I can do it at scale because you don't look that different than, say, a million other people, but I need to know which million put you in. Right. Right. It's so true with the data. I think that's a huge obstacle in a lot of organizations today. Yeah. And I want to go back to a word you mentioned earlier, fatigue. And when you're talking about uh, you know the sort of loyalty fatigue is there a fatigue, and let me set this up a little bit, with the just the number of programs and companies that have gotten into it? We just had an interview uh, a couple episodes ago where we were talking about like emotional advertising like Nike does. And I was mentioning a brand that I don't know why they're really using the emotional advertising, right? And I, you know, it's it seemed like everybody's jumping on that bandwagon. Everybody's been doing loyalty programs for a decade. So is there an individual fatigue? with the, you know, just with the brand? And is there an overall fatigue with just this whole, you know, just a buffet of uh, loyalty <laughs> programs that we all have uh, now appified in our, in our lives every day? Yeah, it's probably a, a mix of all of those. I think predominantly though, the data suggests that the fatigue is around the idea of, for one thing, a program, because you could have a loyalty strategy that isn't really programmatic. It doesn't look like a program. I can't point at it and say, that's the thing I join. I just say, I get that they're treating me in a way that makes me more loyal, right? So you could you could say program is where it starts. The other thing, quite frankly, though, is the points-based or miles-based um, aspect that that was launched in, in the 80s. Um, that's really the part of it that people are saying, yeah, I've seen that for a long time. I get it. I'm in 30 programs, but it's not going to get my attention, right? It's just like anything that's been in front of us for a long time. At some point, it's like, okay, like I don't need to pay attention to that anymore because it looks just like it did yesterday and last year and 10 years ago. And so the, the real need is to actually think of what are different ways that we could be exploring how to engage customers with brands that don't necessarily look like a program and definitely don't look like a, a points economy. And, and that's a challenge, but there are definitely answers out there for how to do that. So one of the things you talk about is this idea of four key types of loyalty that a brand must earn. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, just really briefly, I, I think what's important about even thinking in terms of like, oh, wait, wait a minute, there are different types of loyalty, yeah. <laughs> is that so often when brands talk about loyalty, they're just talking about it as if it's binary. It's either on or off. Mm -hmm. You're loyal or you're not loyal. And what's really important I have learned in consulting with a lot of different brands is to actually ask the question, what type of loyalty do you have today and what type do you want to have? And a model that we use called the multi-loyalty framework suggests there are at least four types. And I'm, I, I think there are probably many more. But the four types, one I've already mentioned, mercenary loyalty, which is where you pay somebody to be loyal. And that's about 90% of the market today. 
Um, another one which we try to stay away from, we call inertia loyalty, which would be brands where I feel stuck. Mm. Um, that could be where I have like a cell phone contract or yeah. maybe I just don't care enough to switch. But if somebody you know made it worth my while to switch, I would. Um, a great example of that would be what happened to yellow cab companies after you know decades mm -hmm. of dominance and then Uber came in and, and gave people a reason to break the inertia and move over. Um, the, the other two types are more relational in nature and so ideally more powerful. One we call true loyalty, which could also be called experiential loyalty. And that's where you say, well, the experience is what draws me here. It's not about the fact that I have a, a contract or that you're giving me the cheapest price. It's probably I'm paying more to be uh, engaged with this brand, but I just love it so much, I'll do that. It's like Starbucks would fit there really well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a single person who believes that a cup of Starbucks coffee is worth five bucks, right? Even though I spend that money every day myself. <laughs> um, but, but you're okay overpaying for a cup of coffee because there's something about the essence of that brand experience that you buy into. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, just really quickly, uh, we call cult loyalty, which is uh, also something you might call tribal loyalty, which is the idea that I connect to the brand, but really because I connect to other people who've made that same choice at some values-based level. It's so like a Harley Davidson mm -hmm. sits really well there, right? People literally get together in a tribal formation uh, to celebrate um, that lifestyle and that they connect to it through Harley-Davidson. So a brand can actually have uh, one of those or more than one activated at the same time with different segments of customers, but you can't even begin to do that until you realize, I've got to go through the process of thinking through what type do I have and, and what type do I need? Is, do I have the right one today or do I need to start thinking about a different type of way to connect to my customers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking about brands as you were going through those and Harley came up for me when you were talking about that and also Mini Cooper. Um, because if you have ever met a an owner of a mini car, they love to talk about their car. <laughs> and I, they, I actually they, am a new they, owner they get, of a mini car. Are you? Oh, oh my wow. gosh. <laughs> and and I, partially, I partially bought that car because I'm like, I want to be in that tribe of people yeah. who drive that car. Exactly. Exactly. And then they get together and they they drive across uh -oh. the country. <laughs> Change the subject fast. <laughs> uh, so well, I, love, well, I love the idea of multiple types of loyalty. That it's to me, that's a really smart way to look at it. Because one of the things is when people talk about loyalty, they do talk about Starbucks and Harley Davidson, and that is just a different kind of loyalty than you have to your favorite pasta you know, at the mm -hmm. grocery store checkout, but you can still be loyal to that pasta. You're not going to go to a Saturday event for it most likely, or that's a very small, small section of the population that will do that. But so, I mean, are you looking at it? Cause I mean, we always talk about the, you know, the Lady Gaga type loyalty and the Harley Davidson and Apple and all these things. Um, you know, do you apply different strategies based on the type of loyalty? So when you're operationalizing it, how are you looking at it? Yeah, I think you do, I, I, or, or different tactics, depending on what you want. And frankly, you know, I, I often work with clients to say, you should try to activate all four types. Inertial loyalty is okay if at the beginning of acquiring a new customer, you don't want them to just disappear right away. So you give them kind of reasons to feel a little bit like, yeah, I need to stick around. There's something here that's kind of holding me here for the moment. Um, you know, banks do that really well when they get us to sign up for online banking. Mm -hmm. um, because once you signed up for that, you're not likely to disappear on them. If you set a couple bills up in online bill pay with your bank, you're, you're going to stick around. Um, but you know, it, it's not enough to keep you there forever if somebody comes up with something better. But you mentioned Apple. Apple is an example of a great brand that has multiple types of loyalty. So they obviously have experiential loyalty. People love the products. 
but they also have a little bit of inertia loyalty going. I'm, a, I'm an Apple user and, and I've thought before like, wow, that Android phone has really, really good like camera in it. I should probably get an Android phone. And then I stop and like, how would I like integrate that with all my other Apple products? <laughs> You're in the ecosystem. Yeah. You're a prisoner. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little stuck, but you know what? I also have an Apple sticker on the back of my Mini Cooper. So, <laughs> I, and that's my way of waving to the other Apple people on the highway, right? Yeah. So you can mix those together. And, and what you're really trying to do is say, for my customers or the customers I want, what are the different types of loyalty I can activate? And there's probably multiple strategies and tactics rather than just making it seem like, well, there's just one way to do it. And if it's not working for me, then I've got to just give up on, on loyal customers. There's so always more, more nuance to it. Where's the line on inertial loyalty? Because uh, the bank example is perfect. Let's forget Apple. Um, you know, where's the line between a captive customer <laughs> and one who you're just incentivizing? Because, you know, a lot, yeah, the, this concept has been around economics forever. It's called switching costs, right? Right. And the switching costs of me leaving my bank are huge, not financial, but my time and effort and energy and focus. And you know, it's just a pain in the, you know, what? So where's that line and how do you approach that when you're trying to make it sticky, but it's a little bit like, uh, we're disincentivizing your exit. Yeah, it's a great question. So when I got into loyalty about 15 years ago, we would literally sit in rooms and have meetings that were about nothing other than coming up with barriers to exit for our clients. <laughs> loyalty. We would, yeah, yeah, we'd come up with like, that's another barrier to exit. And we'd be super excited. Like, High let's five. go tell the client. Yeah, <laughs> so that's we, loyalty. We would never do that today. We, oh. we, wouldn't spend, we wouldn't spend five minutes doing that. So that's one place you can ask yourself is, how much time do we spend thinking about how to fine tune our barriers to exit? Mm -hmm. But here's where the real line is. The real line when you're talking about inertial loyalty is ask yourself, is that our strategy or is it merely a tactic in a larger strategy? If it's merely a tactic, you're good. You probably should have some inertial tactics in there. Some small barriers to exit that just keep people engaged long enough because people lose interest in things quickly. But if it's your only way to hold customers in place, then, then it's a mistake and you're just waiting for a smarter competitor to come in and remove that inertia. Yeah, that's so true. The uh, the banking example too. I had a lot of banking clients back in the day, and there was a lot of talk about the pain of switching. You know, exactly. like how can we yeah. how can we leverage the pain of switching, um, <laughs> which sounds yeah. awful, <laughs> awful. Yeah, I would argue that is not loyalty. <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Cap I'm gonna be careful with my term. Yes, yeah, um, captivity. <laughs> so, well, this is this is fascinating as. Um, as I think we're all geeking out here <laughs> because we all love this subject so much. So uh, thank you so much. Is there any, like, is there any one thing you can leave us with that if, if somebody wants to think about loyalty in a different way, is there one thing that they should kind of shift their mindset to think about it? Is there any kind of last piece of advice you can give our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Here, here's what I would suggest is especially if you're like the person who just today got the assignment at your company, figure out loyalty for us. <laughs> start with this, start with, who am I loyal to today? Not just brands, what institutions, what people, what ideas, and write down for yourself, like, why am I loyal to that? What's the essence of that connection? And how strong is that connection? And if you can pull the essence of that out, you can start saying, okay, that's what I need for my company, my brand. Don't start with, do I need points or do I need mm -hmm. miles or what kind of rewards do I have? Start with what creates real human connection for me as the practitioner and then start to build off of that. And then you're, you're going to find it very easy then to go and make your case for what your company needs to do. 
That's awesome. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you so much for being here. And how can our listeners find out more about you, learn more from you? What's the best way for them to find you? Certainly, you can find out more about uh, the work that my company does at uh, uh, merits.com, M-A-R-I-T-Z.com. And I'm very active on Twitter and be happy to engage with people there at, at Barry Kirk. Excellent. Thanks so much, Barry. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks, Barry. I enjoyed it. It was great. Well, I loved how the breakdown of loyalty happened in this discussion, because I think so often when we are asked about loyalty, it's really people just want to create that emotional connection, but they don't really understand why. And I thought your pasta example was great. Like people might not have an emotional connection to their box of pasta, but they also are very loyal to it in in their own way. So I, I thought it was just a really, really cool discussion. A hundred percent. And I, I want to sum up this episode for everyone with this. If you are keeping your customer captive, that is not loyalty. <laughs> Full stop. That's all there is to it. Loyalty is when they stay and they actually have a choice. Yeah. So let's just keep that in mind as we talk about loyalty. Cause I really, you know, I think that was such an interesting insight about uh, that Barry made about what we were doing in the room 15 years ago versus what we were doing in that room today when we mm -hmm. discuss loyalty. And, you know, it's just, you can get short-term loyalty, so to speak, or short-term uh, stickiness, we'll say. I don't even want to say that. Uh, <laughs> short-term captivity. Let's just be straight about what we're saying. <laughs> God bless America. But, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't last. And you know, this is something we've talked about with monopolistic industries and mm -hmm. things like that. Like It just you know, takes one disruptor. It yep, just takes one eventually the door opens, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's and, exactly uh, right. And the only way to uh, keep people from flooding through it is they want to stay in the first yeah. place. Yeah. So with that note, Jeannie, we let's hope talk, <laughs> let's talk about our loyalty to C-Suite Radio. Oh, there we go. There we go. I was going to say, we hope that our customer, our listeners stay loyal to us as well, because oh, we really appreciate their loyalty, don't we? We do. And we're grateful and for it. And we hope we're not keeping anybody captive. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we, we know we're not. <laughs> Wait, I know who I'm keeping captive. <laughs> yeah, there's only one captive in this scenario. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. And we are a very loyal and proud member of C-Suite Radio. So be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. We so appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, CX training, and keynote speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tepork, and you can learn more about me, my keynote speaking, our customer service workshops and training, and how we can help you win with experience at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.